Hey, you're listening to Fat and Greasy Citizens, a podcast about Shakespeare. I'm fat. And I'm greasy. Every week we do a deep dive into every act of every Shakespeare play ever written, mostly while drinking. More specifically, I'm Chuck. I'm a former English major and now a digital editor who cares a lot about Shakespeare. And I'm Gabe. Let's do it. In this episode, Taming of the Shrew, Act 3, in which Bianca gets wooed and Kate gets wed. There it is. There it is. Open my large black book. Find Act 3. My notes are written out on paper this time. Sweet. So, the thing, though, is that uh, I kind of forget what I meant by some of this. Well, we'll I just wrote I'll asshole and circled it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote Shakespeare's a dick. <laughs> just over and over again, life. like Jack Torrance. <laughs> um, yeah, so for starters, like, uh, it starts out with Lucentio um, and Hortensio trying to just argue over um, how to seduce Bianca. And um, once again, Bianca is just unnecessarily saying, like, well, listen, I'm not some schoolboy. You can just whip. It's just like, just. Yeah. Just and and, and that's what's interesting. And again, it goes back to what we were saying before about, um, you know, the, the argument over whether or not Shakespeare is, kind of knows what's up, you know, like as misogynist as this play is, Bianca is actually a pretty smart woman and she does stand up for herself. I mean, I wrote down this line, uh, you do me double wrong to strive for that, which uh, resteth in my choice. I, I was surprised on rereading it. Like I, I remembered her being more, um, more resigned or easily manipulated or anything else. But the fact that she actually does seem to like suss this out pretty quickly. Um, and she's not yeah. letting either of these guys get what they want immediately. And also that um, she, he, Lucentio comes to her and says, basically like, Hey, let's, let's do this. Let's go around your stupid old man. And she's like, Nope, that's not, that's not happening. Um, and, but it's also, yeah. she's mature enough to say like, What's the last thing she says? She says, uh, I know you not. I trust you not. Uh, take heed to hear us not. Presume not. But then also despair not at the end. So she's saying, yeah. like, fuck you. Go to hell. That's not a no. <laughs> I'm just saying this was not yeah. the end to it. And, and you know, I, I wrote, like, despite myself, I really like the fake lesson scene. I, I really, I, because, I mean, that's obviously the, the centerpiece yeah. of this whole act. But I really like it. I think there's something cool about Lucentio obviously is better at it than Hortensio, but like there's this, this, uh, this kind of like code that he's talking in, you know, in the, using the Latin. And I thought that was very clever. Um, And I love that again. Yeah. As you say, Bianca is, is not necessarily just, okay. You know, she, she's like, I understand what you're saying. I don't know who you are. (laughs) You know, like, like this, I just met you. You know, but yeah. you know, I she gets good vibes from him uh, because he's clearly very charming. Like he, he, you know, if we're gonna have the romantic lead in this play, I think you know, Lucentia is probably it. Yeah, and I think um, she's just got more confidence than I, I gave her credit for. Um, at the same time, um, I don't know. 
uh, I, I'm not changing my mind on the sentry being a dirtbag or, or just a just a prick. I think would probably be the more uh, fitting insult here. Um, it still seems, but of all the it, pricks, he's yeah. He's maybe but it's the also, mo- the it's more also weird again, like like in Act One where he decided like I'm just going to tell someone I killed a guy. Um, he jumps yeah. right to <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's a good like, point. And you're going to later on in the same act, he's like, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go find an old man, any old man doesn't matter, just any old man, and act like my dad. And then he'll commit to the dowry. And it's just like fundamentally unnecessary. He's a rich guy. She likes him. And he's like, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lie to your father and you about who my dad is. And it's, it's all to the good. It's um, everything that Lucentio does feels completely unnecessary. Um, Yeah. But I do feel, I don't know why I feel so strongly about Lucentio. (laughs) Like I want, I want to defend him. And I think it's because, uh, there's part of me that thinks that he kind of knows what the hyper masculine environment warrants. Yeah. Like he, he, he kind of, like he understands, he understands like, look, the, the Bianca is not just going to be an easy get. Like I'm going to have to do something and these people are pretty uh, cutthroat. So I'm going to start just fucking lying. <laughs> like I'm going to, I'm going to say like, Hey, I killed a guy. You know, like, like he, he's like, like he, like he, he's upping the game almost before the game has even risen to that level. Like he, yeah. he's like, you know. Yeah. No, he's like everyone in this town is going to try and get with Bianca. So I'm just going to try and I'm going to do as many weird things as quickly as possible. Um, I, I do also just like from an overall structure point that by the end of this, Gremio is given up, um, so we can see him mated with the uh, the. Um, the, the widow who's never named at the end, but it's, it seemed like in a way like this arc, their arc makes sense because like they seem to be married by act five. And so yes. like the arc of Lucentia wooing Bianca is like a good arc. Um, the weird arc is uh, right after this. Um, we well first we learned that uh, we go from this to Baptista and Kate just bemoaning the fact that uh, Petruchio won't show up. Um, right. And, and it's, I got to say, like, this. we were talking last time about, like, is there a way to pull this off? Is there a way to, since you basically like Kate, is there a way to make this work for an audience overall? And um, I, we still have to get through Act 4 and Act 5, but I just feel horrible reading this for Kate. Like, this is just... <laughs> so, first of all, she's, she's treated horribly in this, but also everyone around her treats her terribly in Act 3. Yes. Like, yes. Bianca treats her like trash her dad treats her like trash um Petruchio above all treat treats her like trash but like this seems like the first act where everyone else is just like oh that's what she deserves because she does have a smart mouth yeah but you know somewhat bewildering bewilderingly there's uh Kate does like when Petruchio's like uh everybody have a good time but I'm out of here like, <laughs> like uh, Kate is one of the first to be like no no you have to stay if you love me you'll stay you know, there's like kind of a weird, that's, so that's, I feel like, I feel like if what he's trying to do is create a portrait of gaslighting, um, Ooh, or, interesting. or of abuse, then like, I feel like it's semi-effective because what he did was she was a proud woman and he forced her into marriage. And then at some point she accepted that she was going to marry and so she decided, well, at least I will, you know, enjoy myself on my wedding day. 
And so then when he denies her that, she's like, she's already demeaned herself so much, but she's like, I, I actually want my wedding day. So please, I will, I will go through the act of acting as if you actually love me and say, stay, because like, I've already demeaned myself so much. Can I at least have a freaking wedding day? And he's like, nope, mm. actually, my goal is to just constantly um, renege on things that I promised you and break you down uh, one thing after the other until you have no hope of getting anything except through me. Um, and no hope that my word will ever mean anything. Um, it's just... God, that's Yeah, horrifying. no, sorry. That's not really on it. that it's just like... It's like when... Um, can I get a promotion? No. Can I get a stapler? Yes. And then taking the stapler. It's just like... <laughs> it's like... like um, it's like Stockholm Syndrome, like played well, out over, you know? Yeah, but just in the course of... of I feel like everyone abandons her in the course of uh, the second scene in Act Three because Baptista and Kate seem to be basically on the same page that like it sucks that he's late on his wedding day and it's obnoxious. Um, right. And then they seem to be on the same page that um, he's showing up looking like an asshole. And I don't know, I don't know what any of there's like a wall of text that Biondello uh, uses to describe how he shows yes. up. I can't, I can't come up with anything in my head that comes out of it. And that's one of the well, things. And so it's it's wonderful to read. I bet it's wonderful yeah. to hear. Um, I have no idea how you would have someone walk on stage. Like, do you have any idea how you'd have someone walk on stage, like reflected in this wall of text? I, I think there's something pretty wonderful about Biondello's horse de horse description, like the description of the horse, because like he very briefly, you know, it's like, oh yeah, um, Patricio looks like shit. Yeah, but the horse, <laughs> the horse. and then like. And I, obviously there's like this long, you know, metaphor of yeah. like the horse, hor if the horse is bad. And my, fa my favorite part of it is that um, uh, there's something like, and the servant looks like the horse too. <laughs> like, like, you know. <laughs> I did like the, the horse. That was, the horse that is was bad. Nice and, uh, three. You know. And Cremio. Like, like, <laughs> it's like, if you think the horse is bad, where, where do you get to Gremio? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's it's pretty amazing. Like the Like the... I was really laughing. I mean, it's like some of the descriptions involves like cancer and like, it's legitimately yeah. funny to just like endlessly berate how ugly a horse is. <laughs> just <being> like, <laughs> no, you've never seen um, just an embarrassment to nature like this. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. They do that throughout this act. Everything that Petruchio does, he does off screen and someone describes how horrific to a uh, respectable culture he is, but you mm -hmm. never, you don't have to see him. You could see him do all these things, but like he's, he's coming. Um, he's, he's riding this stupid horse dressed like a moron with his, his idiot uh, next to him. Um, when they describe him at the wedding scene, it's described off screen and it's just what happened overall. And these are, these are all things that you could show happen, but yeah, you just tried to have someone walk on stage and be like, you won't, you won't, you won't believe what, yeah it's like and, and honestly i think it's pretty uh for me I, I i i really dislike that kind of offstage stuff because i feel like you've already done that in this scene with the horse description yeah where like the whole joke of you haven't seen him yet but let me set this up as he looks awful and his horse is even worse and if the, <laughs> if, you, if you get a whole load of the servant then like this, this, this giant pile of of anticipation that uh, Biondello is 
uh, building. And then of course the payoff is you see him and it's, it should pay off. Like, you know, if you're, if you're directing it, well, he should look like a pile of garbage coming in, but then to have him go and do all this stuff off stage after that, it's kind of like, well, you already did that. Like that joke is kind of already done. Yeah. You know, and, like, and like let's see some of the behavior in live action, you know, because I feel like, I think that's the, we've already got that payoff. So why not build on that payoff? You know? Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it almost feels like to a certain degree, like the way he bullshits everyone else, like the play is bullshitting us. Like, um, like when they, um, so one of the challenging things and this metaphor may completely fail, but like um, when you try and do a show like 30 rock or something else, that's supposed to be about people putting on a funny show. Yes. It's important that you never show the show because that's impossible to say like, here's someone who's funny and then showing them being funny because yeah, that yeah, yeah, just yeah. doesn't work. But I feel like this in some ways, like him just constantly, or the play is like bullshitting us. They're like, he would have, oh my God, you would it would have blown your mind if it was there. Actually, have you seen um, Wet Hot American Summer? Uh, the, the, there's a movie and then there's a, there's there's a, Netflix a series, series right? yeah. I did see the movie, yes, but it's been a while. There's a scene in the movie where um, they're just making fun of like being unable to film something. And so there's some guy who runs off screen and is supposed to save a bunch of kids from a river and it just stays on his buddy. And he's like, wow, whoa, whoa, he's doing it. You got one kid, you got two kids. Wow, whoa, man. Jeez, wow. Oh, you're a hero. And he just walks back yeah. on stage and he's all wet. And like, and that's essentially what they do throughout this. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like a he's Shakespeare is doing it to the audience where it's just like yeah you don't you don't get to see it I'm just gonna so strenuously bullshit my way through this that just like you have to take my word for it it's like when Petruchio says like a guy like me who's like fought in wars have I not fought in wars have I not made millions have I not built castles and right. Like, right. I, I don't know but <laughs> I don't I, know I, sir. I, paid, I paid for the show can I see Petruchio why am I being told Petruchio <laughs> slapped a priest? That seems pretty good. Let's, let's see him slap the priest. Like, don't tell me he slapped a priest. Like, Well, maybe that's my problem with it then, is that, yeah, P- Petruchio's behavior is bad, but um, like, if you really want that, that moment of like impossible behavior that we don't get to see but is described, you know, maybe it could just have been a little, like a step above what what is there like like he's rude and he slaps a priest and whatever but <laughs> like i mean i guess at the time that was mind-blowing you know like oh my god he he hit the clergy it is pretty great to be like come late to your wedding um and slap the priest and then what, what he no he's like he's so grotesque that the priest drops the bible <laughs> he reaches to pick it up and he slaps the priest <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Says, we're married and also what does what does he say oh yeah he says like uh he says will you marry her what does he say he's like i buy gog's wounds yeah, like, yeah yeah <laughs> it is kind of perfect where it's just like everyone's trying to be like and do you take kate to be your wife <laughs> just like i buy gog's wounds like it's <laughs> <laughs> it is well done it's just it's so strangely done to do it off stage and then they come back again and like i do i do feel for kate because like when they come back on like she has less than nothing and oh here's so i, I think this is a wonderful passage of of uh just utterly him, him driving everyone and her nuts so patricia says uh patricia says i gotta go 
and uh, Baptiste says, wait, you're, you're leaving tonight? And he's like, no, I'm leaving now. Um, and so Tranio yeah. says, wait, stay up to dinner. And Petruchio says, nope. Gremio says, let me entreat you. Petruchio says, nope. And Kate says, let me entreat you. And he just looks at her and says, I am content. And she's like, so you'll stay? He's like, no, I just wanted you to beg. <laughs> that's, that's all I wanted. I'm still leaving. But it's just, oh, it's just, I, I couldn't eat another bite because all I wanted to do was for you to beg and have your family see you beg. Um, no, you get nothing. But I just, I wanted to humiliate you on your wedding day. And now I have. And so I do. <laughs> it's just... And it is, and, and it is humiliating, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's, uh, it, as you say, the, the gaslighting, you know, the idea of gaslighting someone or, or, you know, making, turning the tables to thinking that they, they are a problem uh, and that they're lucky that they get what they get, you know? And, um, and this is the scene where she, she kind of starts getting broken in, you know? Yeah where she kind of starts getting broken in and where he does this complete. So he does this complete linguistic judo flip on Kate. He's really good at talking where she's like, stay, stay. Well, fine. I'm going to have a party. And he's like, you should have a party as if like, that's his, to, <laughs> I think that's his to give. Like, I don't want to get in the way of you having a party. And then um, he judo flips that into wait, no, actually like he said, we should be together. So I'm going to throw you over my shoulder and walk off screen because you're right. I love you. Um, we don't need a wedding day. We don't need a party. Let's just, let's get out of here. Let's go to the swamp. And so <laughs> he, he drags her out. I think, I think she has no lines. Like, yeah, it just happens to her. She doesn't. Yeah. She really doesn't say much. At the, yeah. It just happens to her. And Baptista, her dad is just like, no, nope. he says, nay, let them go. A couple of quiet ones, a couple of quiet ones. <laughs> Such a like, it's just him saying that my my daughter is no better than Petruchio. It's just like, whoo, yeah, they're just not, it just it just pains me for the dad to just oh, see yeah. what daughter dragged off and be like, those are a couple of quiet ones. Just there's no no difference between this scumbag stranger and his daughter. It's just Baptista for me is a pile of garbage in this. Super supportive. <laughs> like one of the first things he says or uh, is something like uh, I wrote down. He says something to the effect of, um, you know, oh, God, you know, uh, somebody leaving a, a good woman, let alone, uh, it says, uh, much more a shrew of thy impatient behavior. Like, even he, even he is like, well, everybody knows you're a bitch, so I guess we, I guess we expected this. You know, it's like, it, it, he's so insufferable in how he, do, he just doesn't support his daughter. Like, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a creep. But I feel he's as like, big a creep as any man, man on this. In this again, I don't know cast. how because and then after, and then right after that, Lucentio uh, turns to Bianca. He's like, "What do you think of this?" And she's like, "Yeah, that she's mad, and so now she's madly mated." And it's just like it's almost like you have to either. So first of all, it's just unbearably sad for Kate. It's just like everyone just decided to bully her on their same day, which happens to be her wedding day. That everyone just decided to be like, "You suck." Um, mm. I'm glad you're you're marrying someone abusive. Um, but I almost feel like Bianca wasn't this nasty to her before. Uh, Baptista, while not a great dad, was not this like ruthless and ready to get rid of her before. Um, and a, it makes me sad. But I don't know like how you'd how you'd put this on if there's be something to signal like why all of a sudden everyone's just like you could, you could make them all like 
clearly relieved that Bianca could get married right now or something to convey like why everyone is just throwing her directly underneath the goddamn bus because it doesn't it's down in character um and you'd almost have to like find i don't know what you do but, but something that just conveys like this is this is a really weird town this is a really weird family <laughs> and like um this they, town they, they, they act <laughs> one way in, in one act and act a different way in another act but like it's not but i think the, i think it goes back then to again like is it so like is the comedy in this scene is is the comedy derived from watching a shrewish a shrewish woman getting her comeuppance by everyone turning on her at once you know or is it are we supposed to f- feel sympathy for kate like i it, it's so i how- honestly don't know so how could that? And I guess that's the challenge. Like, how could you do this where you're getting comedy or just drama out of feeling bad for Kate? Like, you could, like, if you watch, if you watch a truly de- depressing film or play, and you're like, yeah, that's wow, we have a society. Um, but like, how could you, how could you do that with this text where? Um, where you actually like tip your hand to the audience that you're just like, yes, this is all fucked up. These are awful people. Um, because it's not, it's not going to get any better for Kate coming through here. And I don't know how you'd like, there's no laughs. There's no laughs, I guess, from Kate's side in this, there's no wins right. for Kate. There's no, her banging guitar over anyone's head. Um, and creepily there is Bianca, Bianca station in life rising. Like Bianca, is Bianca is like choosing her suitors and being good at it. Like just like Bianca feeling her oats and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate is just like getting one bit of independence after another stripped from her. And so since you've got, that's why I think it would, it would be so tough to do because you you're establishing a semi strong character in Bianca right now, semi strong female character at the same time that you're stripping it from Kate. And so like, it feels like, I can't see a rock to give him credit for it. It just is. Oh, let's let's just throw rocks to the shrew. It's yeah, yeah, and it really is. And I think that's why it's so important that um, the the fake teaching scene happens at the beginning because obviously Bianca is kind of like I don't give a shit who these guys are. Yeah, and but she sees something in Lucentio. You know, like there's a there's a moment where like that whole idea, as you said, there's a moment where she's like, uh, "Don't lose hope." You know, like I, I I'm I'm interested. I think that might be the first time Bianca has been interested in anybody, it, and you know, and then later on in the in the scene when uh, when Kate's involved, it's kind of like now there's a new urgency where it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you know what? Um, let's get rid of Kate. Okay, <laughs> because, so, you know, yeah. So it's it's clearly it's cruel to have Bianca start to like successfully navigate this stuff just as Kate is losing it all. Um, and the thrust of the play is that like, um, that it's funny when everything, whenever anything bad happens to Kate, but like, how could you, so you could, you could show Bianca like light up for the first time once she starts getting some back and forth with Lucentio. Um, and it's Lucentio that prompts her to kind of like say, yeah, uh, she's madly mated. So you could, I just can't think how you could have those two laughing about it and have it not be, not have them look like scumbags. Um, right, right, right. Yes. Like, I can't get away from the fact that, like, it, it all has to flow out of the fact that, like, 
Kate's just awful for not being mild. Like that's <laughs> at the end of the day, she's yeah. not mild. And so what a trash heap for not being mild. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, and that's why she's getting all this abuse. Right. Yeah. But it, it's like, if Bianca, but that, that's the thing is that when you read Bianca's part, uh, she's, she's not a pushover the way you, someone might assume if Kate is such a strong personality. Yeah. Like, Bian- Bianca is like, very assertive herself, you know? I think it's, so it's kind of like, if it's like, it's like classic sexist tropes, you are allowed to wield power and make decisions within the strict bounds of what women are allowed to care about and think about. But what you're not allowed to do is have a mouth. What you're not allowed to do is break a, break an instrument over a teacher's head, even if he's clearly trying to be obnoxious with you. Um, Right, the the and, confines of the culture, like whatever the culture is dictating. Yeah, she's, uh, she's parameters for woman husband, and so she's doing that, but she's not going to challenge the fundamental system at all, and so she's. Ah, see now that's interesting. Does would you argue that Kate is challenging the fundamental system, like the 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 very yeah, fabric? I, yes, I think Kate's Kate's like the the nail sticking up that's getting hammered down here, and so. And so you do get a fundamental view of like, oh, she tried to be different. And so her brain is being sucked out of it and the society's crushing her. Um, that's the only way that you could make this work is if you decided to show it like a, show it like a tragedy, like mm. put aside a tragedy with like some good, uh, with some really high quality three studios in the mix, but like, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, she's our main character. She's having all her agency stripped away from her. And these other people are finding happiness, but only because they refuse to challenge any of the systems around them. And so, um, and also like, you can't say it has to be just about women not challenging the system because Lucentio is breaking laws all over the place. Petruchio has no respect for any, any aspect of polite society. Like he's, his, He's just proof that just like, no, listen, I'm a dude. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are going to keep, and, and Baptiste is just like, yeah, he's right. I, I just, I just wanted a guy with some money and I think that's him. So um, I, I wish he had showed up on time. I wish he had not punched the priest. Um, I wish that um, he wasn't dressed like an idiot, but um <laughs> He is a man, so who am I to say? On the other hand, like his wife does speak up, so they deserve each other. I, I hope they both <laughs> jump in a volcano. You know, there's something interesting in what you said there because it's kind of like so. Like the more you the more you talk, the more I was thinking like so. So maybe the maybe is is the whole thing a comment on the rigid. Uh, the rigid structures that are in place at the time, and you know still today between uh the structures between man and woman where you know each each one of the characters is trying to circumvent the the you know the realities of the time like you know it's like well we can't we 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 don't have a b and c available to us so how about this we're going to go this elaborate scheme where you're going to be i'm going to be a teacher you're going to be a teacher like it's 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 like yeah, nobody nobody can just be a human being in this world. Like they they have to somehow uh, scam their way to get what they want. 
but also there's, you know? there's scams everywhere, but there's no consequences for scamming for anyone except for Kate. For Kate, for right. Kate to, to break rules means like, like everyone's just like, you're trash and you deserve whatever happens to you because you've never had respect for the basic dignity of polite society. And everyone else is just like, yeah, I fucking killed a guy and I'm going to get a hobo yeah, and act yeah. like he's my dad. And this play kicks off with the idea that we should just um, utterly drive a hobo nuts and put on a play for him. Like the, both the, the world and the play within a world are devoted to the idea of just running scams on people. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, as you say, like Kate, if there's anybody who's not running a scam in this whole thing, it's Kate. Yeah, like she's, her, her, she's her bad the side is that she's honest. She's not... Right. <laughs> she just and that's what makes language. this... Yeah, and, and that's what this—that's what makes this act so interesting because this is the act where Bianca starts buying into the scam. Yeah, you know? and almost like it is—it is where Bianca like kind of sells out, where she's just like, "Oh, I—I I actually always wanted a husband, and this guy seems pretty cool, so it's time to cut bait on my sister." I think that. Yeah, I'll join in too. You know. Yeah, and so like I think as as literature, it's great because we could talk about all this stuff. I think like making an audience feel that you were trying to do that. I think one of the biggest challenges in trying to pull that off is that like, or the reason that I think like the play is not on Kate's side is because it's, it steadily takes away her voice. And so you'd either have to show that like, it's just, again, it's like for her to be trundled off at the end of this act without any words coming out of her mouth means that like, she's the object that we're laughing at. If, mm-hmm. if she got one line or better yet, a soliloquy about like how poorly she was being treated, then there's a way that you can say, oh, this is, this is the story of a human being trundled off. But in, in fact, mm-hmm. it's the story of a shrew who is hilariously being dragged off by her hair. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, you know there's, there's a, I don't know, I guess there's always been a, uh, throughout history, uh, something funny and ultimately a bully getting... Uh, his or her comeuppance, but I know you just don't get the, the yeah, impression. She's not a bully at any point, though. She's just that's like, the thing. She, she just doesn't she, take shit, right? She doesn't take shit, and she stands up for herself. Is all she's guilty of, you know. And it goes back to your other point about you know how do you make, how do you make this how do you navigate this scene without making everyone else seem like total creeps? Yeah, and so I can't you know? see. So like. At this point in Act Three, I feel like the, the plane's pretty close to the mountain here. That like there's no the only the only way to show it is to just be like, um, oh, it turns out these are all awful people. Like there's um, there's an early script of uh, Toy Story where the toys are all um, just vicious to each other, and the Pixar people are, or the Disney people are like, what? or what is this? This isn't nearly what we're asking for. And they, what had happened is they had kept pushing them to be edgier and more 90s-ish and keep pushing it. And by the end, it was just like a bunch of insecure toys just like screaming at each other. None of them were likable at all. And that's like what this feels like at this point. It's like there's no one on screen that you can like at all, except for Kate, but Kate's just a victim at this point. And so you can't even- Like it. Family Guy. Yeah. Like, yes. Like the, <laughs> that's what, like, what, what this, exactly what this is right now. Yeah, it's it, like if you, you could probably do this entire- play with characters from family guy because I, you know, I, I, I had this discussion once with somebody about, you know, the difference between Simpsons and the, and the family guy. And my point was that it, family guy doesn't have anybody to root for. 
you know, it, it, it's Simpsons is all heart. Yeah. You know, like, you know, there's that great, there's that great episode of, uh, you know, uh, Homer at the, um, at the nuclear power plant and he looks up and there's a, a wall of pictures with Maggie on them. Like that's a moment you'll never see in family guy. No, you know, it, because it, it's all jokes in family guy, you know, it's not, all, you know, it's also, not about, it's it, not about human connection, you know, but also family guy fundamentally says like, it's fun to trash women. So we're going to do that. Like you could cast this with the actual character. You, could, you, could, you yeah. could have Meg in the character of Kate and that's oh, how usually work on family guy where it's just like, do you see how we abused her? Yeah. Because she's ugly. Right. That's the joke. And, and you can, you can actually hear Peter calling that out as uh, Baptista. It's because she's ugly. You, know, like, you, can, you can hear him say it. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Just like, wow, that goes too quiet once. It's just like, <laughs> it, you could. It fits, it fits too, too well. <laughs> no, I think that would be the best way to, I swear to God, if you just animated it and if you got Quagmire to be Petruchio. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god that's perfect the whole thing scale that is perfect that's that's what means it's probably irredeemable or <laughs> <laughs> or at least its intentions were never any higher than than we've assumed on this yes. podcast <laughs> yeah right um, right so but i think like that's that's a way that you could do it where you could say like this is pretty sad and dark but it does have um some some people being, being slapped around like that okay, that's fun. I I like people slapping each other. I like people dressing up in stupid <laughs> costumes. I was I just like, watching Three Stooges bits this morning. Like, I I I love that stuff. You know, that's um, okay. Nope, sold. That's not going to get better than that. That's how you should put on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it, you know like for what this play is, you know, and again, you know, I I think that maybe we stumbled upon as you say, like the, uh, because, because it fits so well in the family guy, then it probably wasn't reaching for anything beyond, you know, any social commentary, but well, beyond what we see, like let's, maybe there's something we can pull out of, of acts four and five, but like act three on its own. No, it's irredeemable. Like that's the only way to do it. It's just to, um, God, you could, you wouldn't have to change a single thing. Um, <laughs> no, it, no, well, really no you, you act, act three, scene two. Perfect. Like the part where you actually have an interesting female character, you couldn't do as Family Guy. But that'd be a great way to just like switch scenes, just be like, and this is a misogynistic cartoon that you all know. Right, like, right. <laughs> like I if wonder the screen, if the screen just came down and it went through that, and you were just like, oh, I feel bad about Shakespeare now. <laughs> <laughs> I had my reservations about Shakespeare, but. You know, for uh, as as much as I struggle with um, with this particular play in terms of what what it's trying to say, um, there's some there's some really great lines in here, like uh, Lucentio oh, yeah. Lucentio uh, calls uh, is it Gre- is it Gremio in the beginning? No, it's uh, not Gremio. Gremio Hortensio, the old guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it must be Hortensio because he he calls him a preposterous ass that never read so far to know the the cause, you know. Yeah. And I, I I thought to myself, that's every high school student I've ever met. <laughs> they've never they've never read so far. They read a few lines and they're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> it's Listen, like you don't got it. <laughs> you don't you don't got it. There's a lot to get. I don't think you got it. Yeah, I fucking got it. <laughs> yeah, I read enough. No, you didn't. You didn't read far enough to get that 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 part. 
Oh, and also I think, uh, you know, again, with the teachery stuff, uh, Bianca totally gets distance learning because <laughs> she says, uh, uh, I can learn my lesson as I please myself. You know, it's very, it's very kind of like, I, I, I learn when I want to learn. And it's like, that's, she gets it. Maybe it's just it. that there's a hovering meanness to this act, but I just, I even felt bad for Gremio where she's just like, why don't you go, you go tune your instrument? Okay. And we'll be ready when you're back. <laughs> he comes back and she's like, no, it's not, it's not ready. Go back again. He comes back. She's like, yeah, I think we're done. So I, these are just he's such people. a desperate guy in that though. You know? Oh yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> and like, and for so no throwing reason, everything out. He could just be a desperate guy, but for some reason, everyone throughout the play is like, yeah, and he's old. old. <laughs> like, there's, it's, there's no characterization to it whatsoever. It's just like... Yeah, and you know, I, what I love about that, though, th- and this, I actually wrote this down because I think it, it's, it's one of the few times, oh, not one of the few times, because Shakespeare uses uh, full characters all the time. But it's one of those, um, those great nods to uh, the history of theater, you know, uh, specifically Commedia dell'arte, because they call um, Gremio Pantaloon at one point. And Pantalone, the uh, Commedia dell'arte character, it's the same, it just means pants. And I, I, you know, and I think that's that, that great um, stock character of a rich guy who's just called pants, <laughs> a rich old man, you know, called yeah. pants. It, it, it like goes back hundreds and hundreds of years before this. And it's like that one moment where Shakespeare is like nodding his, you know, like tipping his cap to everything that's gone led up to this point. And, and then it makes sense that Gremio is just old. You know, he's an old rich guy because he is a stock character. And like the, the fact that Shakespeare has one of the characters call him Pantaloon is, is beautiful. It's like a thing of beauty, you know, <laughs> like uh, it's just, it's just such a great acknowledgement of, of the, of the kind of, we all know what this is, you know, yeah. like we, we, we all know that, that we're in this, we're in theater right now. And like, you know, this character, you know, he's pants. Yeah. Old pants. And the funny thing is, is that actually uh, something, something about calling somebody Mr. Pants is so funny to me. And <laughs> I, 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 you don't have to explain the joke. It just is. <laughs> and it happened. Um, it, it's like, and I was thinking like, uh, like, is there a modern, has it happened before? And there's a throwaway line in a Mr. Show sketch where it's one of my favorite sketches of all time. It's a, it's a, the um, lie detector sketch. And it's this guy taking a lie detector like it, it looks like a like the 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 whole uh setup it looks like uh, he's being interrogated you know a bunch of guys around and he's uh, bob odenkirk is hooked up to this machine and the the things that he's asked to respond to get increasingly more crazy obviously and and he keeps answering in the affirmative and the machine doesn't go off and you know that that's the joke that's the yeah. game of the scene um but at one point uh uh Paul F. Tompkins has a, a moment where he says, you know, have you ever kissed so-and-so? No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, somebody else's line. Paul F. Tompkins says something to the effect of, um, uh, uh, you know, like he, he, he takes the, he takes the nodes and puts them on his own head. He says, I'm uh, I was molested when I was very young and uh, uh, that's why I'm such a control freak. And, the machine doesn't go off and Paul F. Tompkins then realizes this is a huge breakthrough, <laughs> you know, as, you know, as he's like, Oh my God. Um, but then David Cross 
puts the yeah. things back back on Bob Odenkirk, and he says, "Okay," like he's like, "Okay, it's my turn to ask questions." Okay, Mister Pants, and he and he <laughs> says it there, and for some reason, I was like, "Ah, like that." That's that's where that's why I think it's so funny. Like there's like this kind of through line through history of somebody calling somebody Mister Pants, <laughs> like this this guy who's got big pants, you know. It, I just, anytime that you make a joke out of something that's unobjectionable, I find it hilarious. Like if you, if you bumped into someone uh, at the at the grocery store, and like you were getting tough with him, and he was wearing pants, you're like, "Hey, Mister Pants, what the hell?" It's just <laughs> yeah, like you with the pants. It's just like, wait, <laughs> it, it, are you saying? Are you saying it's wrong to wear pants? Are you mocking the fact? But, but just by taking anything and saying, I'll make this an insult. It's like, hey, two eyes. Hey, you with the pants. <laughs> just like the other person does not respond. It's just like, uh, all right, Mr. Pants. You with the shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I have shoes on. <laughs> what? How did I? I don't know. What? I don't think I understand what your point is. Oh, there's also uh, quite a few... Um, tantalizing lines in here that if I were directing it, I would have probably jumped on in a uncomfortable way. Spit on the hole. Oh yeah. That was one of the ones that So it'd be interesting to do that because um, again, here you have to decide, like I've said in the past that Bianca is too smart here, but in the past you could just, just like cast her with an inanimate creature or something. And so he, he talks about the fingering. They talk about spit in yep. the hole. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, <laughs> It doesn't land in the text. It could land in the performance, depending on how you go with it. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I mean, considering how body Shakespeare could be every once in a while, and because this is so early, I I don't see why how it could not have been played like that. Like you know, we're talking about fingering your instrument, no, everybody. Wink, I, wink, I wink. know it totally is. I just don't know how Bianca responds to it on stage. Like, is mm-hmm. she oblivious? Is she into it because she likes Lucentio? Like. So does Lucentio say both of those or no? That's the thing is Gremio tries to, tries to start again with like, here's the fingering. And my yeah. gut is that it doesn't land. And right. then he goes, then Lucentio goes to spit in the hole. But I don't understand exactly what that means. Like, I mean, I get it. I know what it means, but, but like, right. is Lucentio insulting him? Like the joke <laughs> is supposed to be like, say something gross to the woman. But right. instead it's like, um, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I know Lucentio is, is insulting Gremio somehow there, but I don't know exactly what it is. I, if I were directing it, I would use it as uh, a taunt. Uh, Lucentio taunting um, Horentio because he's, he's closer to Bianco at the time. Uh, you know, so he's, he's sitting next to her and he's just looking at her like, he says like, it was spit in the hole. Yeah, well, I, well, I would look at, I would look at Hortensio and say, you know, it was spit in the hole. <laughs> and, and then maybe turn back to, to Bianca because it's such a like I'm I'm right next to her man yeah you know like I I, I think that um, actually I think it, it probably lands pretty well as a masturbation joke because you spin mm-hmm. the hole to uh, lubricate your ah, and so it's like well, don't you go spit in the hole and, I like that a lot that would um, be perfect yeah so that's I like that uh, quite a bit and again but, that would work on Family Guy. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, like the more we talk about it, the more um, I think that this scene is a really good example of the kind of, again, like theater is not new. Like the stories have, you know, the stories and characters have been recycled for centuries. So like the, like the more we talk about it, the, this scene in particular, this act, the more I think about um, 
the Marx Brothers and how this is a good example of the same kind of structure the Marx yeah. Brothers movies have, where it's like you've got the real couple yep. that we're supposed to follow, like the actual couple, and then we've got the jokey couple, which is like um, Groucho and uh, Dumont, you know, uh, Margaret Dumont or whatever her name was. Um, that's the jokey couple, you know, and this play is no different. You've got Bianca and Lucentio, I think are, those are the yeah. love, the lovey couple. And, you know, Petruchio and Kate are our jokey couple. That is kind of a comment on relationships in general, you know? Yeah. Um, in that way, in that way, it's like, it's actually kind of, it surprises me at how, deeply ingrained well you know it doesn't surprise well, me because like, it's, it's an early play you know but like it's so it's supposed to be really fun to be the young guy with the hot bianca telling the old rich guy to go spit in the hole right um which again just makes it really difficult to think that this this is anything other than a chauvinistic fantasy like oh mm-hmm. yeah look at look at ferris bueller telling <laughs> telling ed rooney to go spit in a hole yeah well th- that's again it's a timely I, reference on my part the kids are gonna get that Hey, I was doing Mar- Marx Brothers. <laughs> I'm, I'm referencing the Marx Brothers over here. You're kicking yourself for Fer- Ferris Bueller. <laughs> let, let me talk more about. Uh, let me talk more about um, Commedia dell'arte. I'm sure that everybody's going to be love that, loving that. All right, this is. Um, thank you, man. I came in really down about this thing, and like both, both like did. Being a little bit happier about Bianca's character, and also like. Um, just frankly, the family guy in sight, like makes me happy just because like the meta message there is just like, yeah, this is, this is trash animation and these are trash people. And well, this is, this is what entertains people. Like this is the lower common denominator comedy, right? It's like, it's, it's base stuff, you know? So thank you, man. You've, you've, uh, you've made me feel better about the universe than Bill Shakespeare. (laughs) Oh, Billy Shakes. He, well, but again, it's interesting if this is, you know, being an early play, it's interesting to me that this is where you start. You start with what is popular yeah. because it's what you know, you know. I'm sure Shakespeare went to a bunch of plays and like he was looking around, you know, seeing what was working, what people responded to. And this is no different. Like, you know, it's not time to be necessarily clever yet. You know, no, you got to sell some tickets your first play. Like, yeah, absolutely. And get people in the seats. And, you know, he, he kind of has his finger on the pulse. It's like, you know, what's funny relationships, you know, and, and to have this kind of, the, again, the only thing like, yeah, obviously it's, it's problematic, but the, the one thing that is still sticking in my craws again, no sly scene in this particular act, just like the last one, it's like, it, it's like, what the fuck was all that about in the beginning? If you're not going to use it on a consistent so, basis. The, um, so I, I have to assume it's just like pages missing, but if I think about like what you do with it, I think it could, it could give you the ability to do a family guy scene or something where you're just like, Christopher Sly is just going to keep watching this in weird ways and whatnot. And so like, if you wanted to mess with the format or do something creative, like that would allow you to do it. Um, you could figure it out. It just turns way. around into the foreground every once in a while. <laughs> it like, turns around from the play. Going, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, um, like since I think the only way to, to like pull this off is to like fundamentally like send some signals with how you produce it. Like just having Christopher Sly as someone who walks in or out of frame could give you a way to like reframe it and just be like, 
we're going to do this scene completely differently. We're going to do the scene with puppets. We're going to do the scene with Peter Griffin. We're going to do the scene with whatever. And maybe by having him there at the front, it gives you that flexibility. As literature, does it make any sense? No, except to have one more character um, be abused and confused. But that's, we've got enough of those. You don't need one more character who doesn't have a story arc to say like, oh, this is a play about driving people insane, rich people driving people insane and being cruel to them. Like, we got I like, that. I like the idea, I like the idea of missing pages as if he, he wrote the whole thing and then edited a lot. And then somebody came up and said, hey, did you take out all that stuff in the beginning with the, oh shit. Yeah, it's, it's your first play. <laughs> I, got, I got bored with that whole Christopher Sly guy. So I tossed it in the fire. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll tell the guy who plays slide to do whatever. <laughs> you, uh, For two giggle. hours. Giggle. We'll, we'll introduce him. Then... With a couple beers, he'll be, he'll be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was just watching Hamilton streaming last night, uh, and there's a scene I forgot about um, where King George hangs out after his last song and kind of just watches the proceedings. Uh-huh. Um, and that actually reminded me a lot of Sly, this idea of somebody just standing, you know, sitting there making faith, like what mugging if, the whole time. So what if like, what if Christopher Sly was just like desolate at the end of act three and they're just like, they just treated that poor girl like trash. Everyone in universe is like, is like, oh, glad she's gone. And he's just like, Ugh, yeah, I don't, I don't like this fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, I, home now? Like, that, that would be really interesting if that he's your window into what, like, what the director is trying to say. Like, yeah, what's the commentary the here? Yeah, that would be really neat. Um, you know, if you were doing it today, if you were going to produce it. the fantasy that he's a rich person, and so he could also just be like, this is, what, um, this is what rich people are. I'd rather go back to the gutter. Like, again, he has no lines yet, but you could just find some way to just. Yeah, I was I was having a good time uh, getting drunk and yelling at the barmaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the whole thing is a morality play aimed at him. And at the end, at the end, he has a scene with his wife, and he's like, "I'm beats sorry." Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he beats her to death. <laughs> it's just like, see. <laughs> Beat her to death, indeed. Fat and Greasy Citizens, presented by the players Chuck and Gabe, on next week's episode, Taming of the Shrew, Act 4, theme song, A Robust Crew, by Darren Curtis.